Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. It is our joy to sing of God's grace and greatness. It's our joy to sing of God's faithfulness and love. It's our joy to sing of God's mercy and his wisdom. It's our joy to sing God's praise today and every day. As the psalmist said, let the name of the Lord be praised. From the rising of the sun to its setting, let the name of the Lord be praised. And what a joy it is to lift up the name of the Lord once again this morning through song and through our time in God's Word. If you would, open your Bibles with me to Titus chapter 2. We are exploring the blessings, the depths, the riches of God's amazing grace to us in Jesus as we finish chapter 2. And as we've seen already in chapter 2 in this passage that we've been studying, we have new life in Jesus. Paul wrote in verse 11, "...for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people." God's grace looks back to our past. Jesus appeared. He came to this earth to rescue us from our sins. We are forgiven by God. We are right with God by faith in Jesus. We have, secondly, abundant life in Jesus. As Paul continued in verse 12, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. God's grace looks In our present, God is growing us. He's teaching us. He's empowering us to live his way today. God's grace gives us the desire, strength, and wisdom to say no to sin and yes to the Savior. We also have eternal life in Jesus. As Paul continued in verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's grace looks ahead to our future. Our blessed hope is the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are going to spend eternity with Jesus. And we can certainly rejoice in that truth once again this morning. As Paul continued in verse verse 14, he gave himself, he being Jesus, gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession eager to do good works. Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us. Jesus freed us from our bondage to sin as he took our place on the cross and paid our ransom price for our sin with his very life. Jesus gave himself for us to cleanse us. Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary to provide us with forgiveness of sins. Jesus gave himself for us to possess us We are bought by Jesus, and we belong to Jesus. We are his people. And Jesus gave himself for us to motivate us. We're forgiven by Jesus. We're free in Jesus. And of all people, we should be fired up to do good works for Jesus. There is nothing and there is no one who can change these truths from God to you and me in Christ Jesus. This great news of Jesus is for us. This great news of Jesus is to go through us. The good news of Jesus goes through us as we do good works. As Paul said, a people for his own possession, eager 
to do good works. So let's look at a few points about good works that Paul's talking to Titus, that Scripture teaches us about these good works from God. First point is that the good works are a result of salvation. Our good works are a result of salvation. We are eager to do good works as followers of Jesus because of the good work of Jesus in us. As Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, I am sure of this, I am confident in this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God has saved us by his grace through our faith in Jesus, and God is growing us in our faith in Jesus, making us more and more like Jesus day by day. Therefore, we are eager, zealous, passionate to do good works, eager to do these works that God has prepared for us. In reality, good works are the overflow of a fired-up follower of Jesus. Good works for Jesus are the overflow out of a life of a fired-up follower of Jesus. Good works are a result of salvation. Secondly, the good works are God's, not ours. Now, here's some good news for us. We don't have to come up with these good works on our own. We don't have to stress. We don't have to struggle. We don't have to figure out these good works on our own. As Paul shared with us in Ephesians chapter 2, For by grace are you saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one should boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works. Say that with me out loud. To do good works. One more time. To do good works, which God, get this, has prepared ahead of time for us to do. As God has prepared in advance for us to do. That means we are created in Jesus to do good works for Jesus. So here's how it works. As we follow Jesus by faith, this is why the Christian life is the exciting life. As we follow Jesus by faith, God will let us know the good works he wants us to do and when he wants us to do them. He'll let us know the good works that he has prepared ahead of time for us to do. And he'll let us know when he wants us to do them. Get this, God gives us opportunities to join him in his work every day. I find that amazing. I find that incredible, a bit outrageous. God gives me, me, God gives you opportunities every day to join him in his work. Therefore, we have every reason to be eager to do good works. We have every reason we could ever need to be eager to do good works. Third point is we do good works by faith in Jesus. So we know they're a result of salvation, and we know they're God's good works, not ours, and we do God's good works by faith in Jesus. We know, Scripture tells us in Hebrews 11, that it's impossible for us to please God apart from faith in God. So we trust God as we do God's good works. We trust him as we do his good works. Many times it works maybe in this way. Maybe you've seen this personally. I know I have. There are times we'll be going on throughout our day 
And God will bring someone to mind. He'll bring someone to our mind. And as he brings that person to our mind, he always gives us an assignment in regards to that person. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes, depending on when we're going to see that person, it is delayed a little bit. He brings someone to our mind, and he gives us an assignment. And then what happens is we begin to think to ourselves, well, should I reach out to that person? Should I really bless that person? Should I, I don't know, should I encourage that person? Maybe I'm making this up in my own head. It's probably just me. Should I, should I really minister to that person? The answer is yes! Yes! God will bring people to our mind and God will put us in situations and he'll give us the green light to do his good work in whatever that circumstance is, that situation for that person, whatever God says, he'll make it clear to us. He'll make it clear when he wants us to do it, which is then, right then, right there. And we are called then by God to do those good works by faith, trusting that He's leading us, and we're going to obey him, and we're going to do those good works, and we're going to trust that he's going to take care of it. Sometimes he asks us to do it anonymously. Sometimes he asks us to do it in person right there. And so we need to do those good works by faith because God doesn't always promise to give us the end results of our good works. At times, we're just part of that seed that he's continuing to water. As he continues to water, someone planted a seed, and we're all a part of watering that seed. And many times, we water the seeds of people's lives through our good works for them. We must remember that Satan, our enemy, will do whatever he can do to distract and discourage us from good works. You can be guaranteed that when the Holy Spirit of God impresses on you Do this, do that, send that text, make that call, shoot that email, drop by for that visit, go over to that person, shake their hand, minister to them, look them in the eye and tell them that they're a blessing to you. When God gives us an assignment, you can be guaranteed that Satan is going to do whatever he can to distract us and to discourage us from doing that good work. Oh, they don't. You're going to offend them. If you go over there and do that, you're going to offend them. I wouldn't do it. They're busy. They're busy. They're going to think you're nuts. If you send them a text and say what you're texting right now, they're going to think you're crazy. Don't do that. You'll see them later. Why don't, you know what? It's always better in person. You'll see them later. He's going to continually try to keep us from doing those good works. When God reveals to us to go pray for one another, it's amazing how the warfare comes against us as brothers and sisters in Christ to keep us from praying for one another. To keep us from going to one another in the name of Jesus, we all share the cleansing blood of Jesus, and God gives us an assignment to go pray with a brother or sister in Christ, and we just just stay. Well, I can pray for them. Yes, you can, and I hope and pray you do, but if God's saying go pray with them, go pray with them. That's what God's calling us to do. We do that. We bless. We do God's good works. By faith. Fourth point is God's good works are good for us and others. God's good works are good for us. God blesses us as we do his good works. God encourages us as we do his good works. God grows us in our faith as as we do his good works. God teaches us as we do his good works. God uses us as we do his good works. And God's good works are good for others. 
We bless others as we do God's good works. We encourage others as we do God's good works. We meet others' needs as we do God's good works. We show Jesus to others as we do his good works. We show God's grace to others as we do good works. As Peter told us in 1 Peter 4 and verse 10, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. God gives us spiritual gifts to help us do his good works to those he places around us. And when God impresses on us to do those good works, they're good for us to do. We're blessed. And they're good for others as we do them. And the fifth point that we see all throughout Scripture is God's good works are for his glory, not ours. We do these good works for God for his glory, not ours, to make him famous, not us. As Peter continued in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11, he continued and said, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking God's words. If anyone serves, he should do it in the strength God provides. So that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Our good works for God point others to God. Because God is the one who changes us and God is the one who changes others. We can't change ourselves. We can't change anyone else. But we can do good works for God that help to encourage others and point others to God. And God is the one who can change lives. God is the one who can change circumstances. And so we do those good works for his glory, by faith and trust in him, not for our glory. Spiritual gifts were given us by God uh, for his glory, not, not our glory. For us to turn others to him, not to tell others to look at us and how much we know and all that we can do and how smart we are, and how many things that we can do. And the whole I, I, I do this, I do that, well, I do this, well, I do that, well, I do that. We give those gifts to God, and we use them to bring Him glory. Our purpose is to glorify God, and we glorify God through doing our good works for God. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. I am the hands and feet of Jesus. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. Think for that. Think about that for just a moment. You and I are the hands and feet of Jesus. I literally am the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's say that out loud together. I am the hands and feet of Jesus. One more time. I am the hands and feet of Jesus. Each one of us is called, equipped, and empowered by God to do good works. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works for Christ Jesus. And so we know and understand. It's so vitally important for us to act, and to do these good works. That's exactly what Paul was sharing. As he's preparing us, now as we get to verse 15, he's preparing us, and he says in verse 15, proclaim these things. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. This verse ends chapter 2, and it leads directly into chapter 3. I want you to notice in verse 15, Paul issued four present active imperatives, four commands for Titus and the elders in Crete to obey every day. So let's look at these four commands. In the present tense, active voice means Titus and the elders are to actively do these things day after day after day. Paul said proclaim. Proclaim is the first command in verse 15. 
Proclaim means to speak, say, declare, preach, teach. It's in the present tense. And so we know what Paul is saying is, is proclaim, preach, teach, speak, say, declare. And so Paul's point is clear here at the very beginning. In verse 15, the first word of verse 15, Paul's point is clear. Elders and pastors have authority from God to preach, teach, and speak for God. Elders and pastors, Titus and the elders in Crete, elders and pastors today, have authority from God to preach, teach, and speak for God. Elders and pastors use, we are to use our authority from God for God. And so what he says is proclaim, preach, teach, proclaim these things. These things means these things in verses 11 through 15 that we've been walking through. These things refers to all of chapter 2 that we have studied. These things refers to the entire letter of Titus, chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. These things. What we know is these things literally means the sound teaching of God's word. That's what these things mean. If you look in chapter 2 and verse 1, but you are to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. When Paul told Titus, proclaim these things, what he's saying is God's people need to know the truth of God's word. God's people need to know the truth of God's word. God's people need to know about salvation, sanctification, glorification, the forgiveness of sins. Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, God's grace, which is available to us every day, that helps us live and love God's way. The return of Jesus, doing good works for Jesus. And so Paul commanded Titus, proclaim these things. Proclaim the truth of God's word. If you look in 2 Timothy chapter 4, you'll find that Paul commanded Timothy in a similar way. He just said it differently. He said, preach the word. In season and out of season, preach the word. And so what Paul is sharing with Titus and these elders is that elders and pastors have authority from God to preach and teach the word of God. And elders and pastors help God's people to know God's truth by proclaiming these things, by preaching the word. So he says, proclaim these things, the first command. The second command, he says, is encourage and rebuke with all authority. Encourage is the second command. So proclaim is the first command. Encourage is the second command. Encourage means to call alongside for help. Encourage means to come alongside someone to urge them to go God's way, to put courage into them, to walk in obedience to God, to come along someone, to put your arm around someone and to help them go God's way. So Paul has commanded Titus, proclaim God's word. This is what God's word says. Now he commands Titus, encourage God's people to obey God's word. This is how you do what God's word says. And so there's the proclaiming and there's the encouraging. Encouragement is a must for us to give and receive as followers of Jesus Christ. You know this as well as I do. Encouragement is a must for us to give and receive. It's so vitally important for us 
in our walk with Christ. It's so vitally important for us to be encouragers, to be known as godly encouragers, as godly men and women who love to encourage the brothers and sisters in Christ and all those that God places around them. We know Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews told us, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. What that verse tells us, one thing in, in, in particular it tells us, is we need encouragement every day. Amen? I mean, I'm not sure. Maybe there's someone in here that say, Mark, I'm filled up. I cannot take any more encouragement. If I get any more encouragement this morning, I am just going to walk away. I, I cannot take any more encouragement. I doubt that anybody's in that spot. If you are, uh, praise God, just keep soaking it up. Give it out. Uh, if you give it out, God will fill you back up and you'll keep that going. We need encouragement. We need that encouragement. We're in a battle. That battle within our flesh and the Spirit of God wrestling, battling, warring inside our soul, our flesh wanting to do what we want to do, the Spirit of God leading us to do what God wants us to do. We need encouragement because we have folks from the outside coming against us and saying things to us, saying things about us that are discouraging, that are painful, that are hurtful, that are quite honestly wrong and untrue. And so we need encouragement and we know this, Scripture tells us over and over again about the importance of encouraging one another daily because that encouragement helps us in that war of the flesh against the Spirit. Encourage helps us to say yes to the Spirit and no to the flesh. And so it's so vitally important, as Paul was sharing with Titus and these elders in Crete, Paul, you got, or Titus, you got to proclaim God's Word and then as you're proclaiming God's word and sharing and breaking down what God's word says and what it means for us, then you need to encourage those people to obey God's word. The third command is encourage and rebuke. Rebuke is the third command to Titus. Rebuke means to bring sin to light. It means to show someone the wrong they did and call them to confess and forsake their sin. As Paul told the elders already in chapter 1, refute those who contradict the sound teaching of God's word. So elders and pastors and what Paul was saying, Titus, proclaim God's word. Titus, encouraged by God's people to obey God's word. Titus, rebuke God's people when they disobey God and his word. Now, we love the encouraging, not so much the rebuking. We respond generally, wonderfully to the encouragement. We don't respond well to the rebuking. But it's equally as important. All rebuke is to be done in love, with gentleness, so the one who is rebuking is careful and doesn't fall into the same trap of sin as the one who is being rebuked for their sin. So all rebuking is to be done in love with gentleness. We don't run, as Paul was telling Titus, you're not to run with the Bible cocked back and ready to just swing and knock somebody over the head and say, I caught you! And just berate them that's not going to do anything except turn them away from the Lord. 
We're to encourage, to lift them up. We're to rebuke because that's the same purpose, to lift them up out of that sin so they can continue walking with the Lord and doing his good works. So it's vitally important to do both. And then he finishes and says, encourage and rebuke with all authority. This means, with all authority means, carry out as a command. So again, Paul is commanding Titus, Titus, rebuke, and Titus, encourage. And you need to do it with all authority. Titus, don't wimp out, is what he's saying. Don't you wimp out. Don't you allow sin to continue in the family of God knowingly and just turning away and not doing anything about it. Don't you allow people to hurt other brothers and sisters in Christ and just don't do anything about it. No, 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 no. Titus, elders, pastors, if you know, you go. If you know, you go. And you encourage where there's encouragement needed, and you rebuke where there's rebuke needed. And you do both in love, and you rebuke with gentleness, but Titus, don't wimp out. With all authority means this. What Paul was reminding Titus is, as God's leaders in his local church, elders and pastors are to encourage and rebuke God's people with the authority that they have received from God. And then he finishes and says the fourth command, let no one disregard you. That's the fourth command from Paul to Titus. Let no one disregard you. Disregard means to despise, to disrespect, to ignore, and to look down on the preacher and the preaching. Let no one disregard you. Let no one look down on you. Let no one ignore you. Let no one despise and disrespect you and your preaching, Titus. Again, this is a present active imperative. So he's saying, don't let this happen. And then with no one, a negative there in front of the verb disregard, he's saying, stop letting those people who are despising, disregarding, and disrespecting you and your preaching. Stop letting it happen. Stop it. How? Titus, encourage and rebuke with all authority. That's how. Titus, confront and correct in love. Titus, refute those who contradict the word of God. What Paul was wanting Titus to grasp, these elders in the churches in Crete to grasp, and elders and pastors today, here in this particular passage, is that we have authority from God to preach God's word and to call God's people to obey God's word. And we have authority from God to help God's people who are not obeying God's word to renew their commitment to obey God's word. We're to do it in love, empowered by the Holy Spirit with the authority that we have received from God. This helps God's church to function God's way. This helps 
God's church, each one of us as members of God's church, to bless and be, be blessed, to encourage and be encouraged, to serve and be served, to minister and be ministered to. It helps all of us to grow healthy and strong in our faith in Christ and in our relationships with one another. Because Jesus told us that's how those outside the church are going to know that we're followers of his. It's by the way in which we love one another. And we can only truly love one another as we're doing it according to the truth of God's word. Because love does not delight in evil. Love rejoices in the truth. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love forgives. And love is the first one to go and to run and say, I need your forgiveness. Would you please forgive me? And love demands that we as followers of Jesus Christ, when others come to us to ask for our forgiveness, that we forgive others. And that we communicate that to others in a loving way. It's vitally important. And he's setting up chapter 3. Because when we get into chapter 3, man, I, can, ooh, I cannot wait to get into chapter 3. There's all kinds of amazing truth and teaching waiting for us in chapter 3. And he's setting it up here as we are ending chapter 2 and as we're moving into chapter 3. He's getting us ready. He's getting us prepared for all that's to come. Because chapter 3 is really going to be a lot about us, one another, and some one another's and how we relate to one another. And so it's going to be uh, Pouring into us in regards to our relationship with God, obviously that's first and foremost, but in our relationships with one another. So what is our application from this truth this morning? What is our application from verse 15 as we've looked at these commands? What is our application today? I believe our application is simple as followers of Jesus Christ. It's this, we need to obey God today. We need to obey today. Pastors, elders, leaders in God's local church, are commanded by God. They have authority from God to proclaim these things, to preach God's word, to encourage and rebuke with all authority, to let no one disregard them or their preaching. Therefore, as followers of Jesus, as a people for his own possession, we must listen to God's word, we must seek to understand God's word, and we must obey God and the truth of his word. Pastors and elders are to continue proclaiming God's word, and God's people, that's us, are to continue obeying God's word day by day. It's not always easy or popular for pastors and elders to preach God's word, or for us, God's people, to obey God's word, but it is always best. Amen? It's always best. It's always best. We need that encouragement from the Lord and his word and his people. But we also need the medicine of his rebuke from his word, from his spirit through his people. And what Paul was wanting Titus to understand is the most loving thing that Titus could do the most loving thing that he could do for the people in the churches in Crete was simply to proclaim these things, to preach the word, to encourage and rebuke with all authority. And the truth of the matter is the most loving thing I can do and the most loving thing that elders and pastors can do today, all those 
who are part of our church family who stand to be able to preach and teach God's word. The most loving thing I and we can do is to preach God's word. It's to proclaim these things. It's to encourage you and rebuke you faithfully and lovingly. And the most loving thing we can do as God's people is to obey God and the truth of his word. As John said, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. God's commands to us, these things, this word, it's not burdensome, to keep these things. It reminds me of the words to the hymn, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. God's grace, again, as he's been sharing with us in this passage, God's grace gives us the desire, the strength, and the wisdom we need to live and love his way. Praise God for his amazing grace to us in Jesus. Amen? Praise God for his amazing grace to us in Jesus. I give God praise that his grace reached down and saved a wretch like me. I was once blind, but now I see. I was once lost, but now I'm found. The amazing, incredible grace of God for you and for me. Let's embrace God's grace once again this morning. And let's be sure to express God's grace to one another this morning. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. We're going to move into this time of response. And without question, as we've looked at this passage, I know that God has spoken to each of us in different ways because we're at different points in our walk with him. But without question, as we've looked at this passage, God has brought folks to your mind quite possibly folks here in this room, that he wants you to do his good works. That might be to, to bless them. That might be to encourage them. That might be to just go say a word of blessing. Maybe it's to go and pray with them. Maybe it's to go and pray over them. Maybe it's to go and thank them for how they've blessed you recently, how they've ministered to you. Maybe it's to go and thank them for something that they shared with you that really, really ministered to you. Maybe it's to go and seek forgiveness. Maybe it's to go and get right with someone. Maybe God's brought someone to your mind that later today he wants you to communicate with. Maybe it's by call, by text, by going by and making a visit. Listen, these are the good works that God wants us to do. And when God brings those folks to our mind when he puts us in those situations and makes it clear that he is calling us to step out in faith. We are to say no to Satan who distracts and discourages and we're to say yes to the Spirit and we're to go forward. And we're to do those good works by faith, trusting that God's going to use us, that God's going to take care of us, that God's going to minister through us. He'll take care of everything. All we need to do is obey. We just simply need to obey. Our prayer partners will be standing here at the front. They'd love to pray with you, pray for you. If you have a need, care, concern, a burden, they would love to pray with you 
This is our time to respond. And so in just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to be into worship through song. And you may want to come to the altar here and just kneel and spend time with your husband, your wife, maybe a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ. Maybe God wants you to move out and go and obey and go to someone to bless them, encourage them, to reach out to them. Maybe it's someone's. I'm going to encourage you to go by faith and to do those good works. If you've yet to receive God's gift of salvation, by faith in Jesus, and, and you say to yourself, that's me, I, that's what I want. I know that Jesus took my place on the cross. He paid the ransom price for my sin with the blood he shed for me on the cross. I believe he died on the cross in my place. He was buried in the tomb, and I believe he rose again, and he is alive today, and he's the only way for me to enter a relationship with God. Then, sir, ma'am, that's... A, God at work in your life. And let me encourage you to respond to his grace by saying yes to Jesus, by simply calling out to God right there in your own heart and mind and just admit to God that you're a sinner. Believe and tell God that you believe and trust in Jesus as your Savior. You believe and trust in his death, burial, and resurrection for your salvation. And then just simply confess your sins. Ask God to forgive you. Repent, turn from your way, and turn to live his way. And just ask Jesus to come in and take over and take charge of your life, and he'll do just that. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus. These prayer partners will be standing here. They'd love to. This is our response, our time. Step out and walk in obedience to the Lord. Let's do it exactly what it is that God's calling us to do right here, right now. Let's stand and say yes to the Father.